0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr. It's exciting to be doing these. I love having these conversations. I even love the arduous process of emailing back and forth and scheduling times and meeting people for the very first time, but actually getting, down, uh, getting the chance to sit down and, and, and chat with someone is so much fun. Today is no exception. I get to talk with Katie Garcia, um, who runs Bayonet Records out of New York. And they are home to Frankie Cosmos, Beach Fossils, uh, Kevin Crowder, that new record this year was so great, Lion Limb. Um, or I guess now that I'm saying this, it was that, a new record last year. You know, it's really funny too with this label. Um, I, I had been familiar with Beach Fossils, but I wasn't uh, overly familiar with them. And then after this interview, I enjoyed it so much, I thought I should just make sure I. I'm really familiar with their with their roster. And I, I listened to the latest Beach Fossils record, Somersault, and it ended up just becoming one of my favorite discoveries of the year. Um, it's just such a beautiful record. Anyway, this was so great to talk with Katie Garcia of Bayonet Records. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to us. That'd be really helpful. Visit us at otherrecordlabels.com. We're on Instagram at Other record labels. And on Twitter, it's, um, through other songs at other songs. And then the email is podcast at other record labels.com. And so you are in New York. Is that right?
1: Yes. I'm in Brooklyn.
0: Okay. And so I was curious, like, does that like, do you, is it a normal work day for you? Like, I mean, you're, you're the person in charge, but like, do you, do you come in like nine o'clock and leave at five o'clock? Is that how things work?
1: No, I definitely would say it's a lot more flexible than that. Um, usually, when I'm at Bayonet, I get there anytime around around ten, ten thirty, and then you know usually leave around six, six thirty, sometimes oh, okay. seven. Um, and I feel like that's pretty normal for most people that work in at least the independent music industry in New York.
0: Right. There's not a lot of emails being answered at 7:30 in the morning.
1: Yeah, 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 no. That's fair. No, 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 no. Um I mean there's some like from people in the UK, but right. um not as much. However, if we if I lived in LA, it would definitely be uh, I would definitely be up way earlier and leaving the office way earlier there. I feel like people
0: start oh, their yes.
1: they there they definitely have like 9 to 5 or even like 8 to 4 um just because by the time four o'clock rolls around, pretty much everyone in New York and London are are out you know, yeah. out of
0: so <laughs> <Right>. like you're
1: <laughs> saying, it's like kind of over. Yeah, so that's it- true. Yeah.
0: I have uh, a like a distributor contact in Seattle and I'll um or Portland and I'll like send like an alarming like something's wrong email at nine in the morning, but I know like not to expect anything back until noon. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, when I was talking with uh, Mike uh, from Captured Tracks, which we'll talk about with you a, a little bit later, but uh, he was telling me um, that there is like a community of labels that are all like really close to each other in Brooklyn. Are you a, a part of that?
1: Yeah, I mean close to each other in proximity yes. or in yes, that's oh, sorry. Yeah.
0: <laughs> geographically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Close. Like geographically or <laughs> or emotionally, like in, I don't know. In,
1: in <laughs> communionship. Well, you know, I used to work at Capture. Yes. I don't know if yes. I don't know if Mike mentioned that. Um so that's why I was like in community or <laughs> um well there is a but, bit of community
0: though too, isn't there?
1: Yeah. Oh no, definitely, definitely. Um, but yes, okay. I actually share an office with uh, an awesome label called Sacred Bones. Yes. Who you should definitely talk to them if you haven't already. We'd love to. Um but so I share an office with them. Um, and also, additionally, um, I actually also work at Secretly Group, okay. which is Secretly Canadian, Jag Jaguar, and Dead Oceans. Mm-hmm. Um, I work there doing A&R. And so I work out of their office as well. And then there's like, out of their office, they have like other people, like other like management companies that like rent space, um, office space out of their office as well.
0: That is so uh-huh. cool.
1: Yeah. And then there's like a ton of other labels just like in that general, like, Greenpoint zone um yeah it's it's nice
0: and that's probably nice for anybody who is like outs like who who might any sort of supplier or who deals with all of you guys to kind of mm-hmm. come down and book meetings at the same time or
1: totally yeah a lot of Greenpoint meetings
0: <laughs> what if you see like one of your bands going into another label office like that's another thing you could spy
1: oh my gosh I doubt that would happen but yes that is true I definitely could spy
0: it's kind of like I remember I I don't think it's really a thing anymore but like in Nashville there was like music row where there was like Mm -hmm. studios and big labels it probably didn't sound I don't think it was as quaint as as it probably is now in New York but
1: right 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 That's cool, though.
0: Um, So you and your husband started Bayonet. Is it true that um, you guys started with the money from your wedding gifts? Is that true?
1: That is 1,000% true.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So had you started the label yet, or you were like, this is what we're going to do for our honeymoon is start a label?
1: Yeah, we kind of – we knew right before we were getting married, like maybe a couple months, like we had already started talking about it and like taking meetings, like – setting up the label Mm -hmm. a little bit so by the time we got married we kind of knew um and which is why we told people when they asked us like what should we get you for your wedding i was like seriously just give us money (laughs) (laughs) like i don't need a frying pan (laughs) yeah (laughs) a fax
0: machine
1: (laughs) we've been living together for like you know four years together at that point so like we had all of the amenities we really needed (laughs) Um, so it's like just give us money
0: and um
1: you know luckily most people listened and gave us money and it was awesome and we used we used all of that um you know for to start bayonet um, yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible.
0: What a huge risk too. And I mean, especially like tying it in with getting married. I mean, it's just like, it seems like a therapist would probably suggest not to do that.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was definitely like tricky early days. Like when we both, uh, especially because like, you know, like I had already been been managing captured tracks for four uh, like four ish mm-hmm. years up up until that point. But you know, Dustin was an artist. He's he'd never worked on the label side before. Wow. So he I was like teaching him how to do, you know, how to run a label right from scratch. Um and so and I think it was really eye opening for him and he didn't, you know, really realize like how much work goes into it.
0: <laughs> At the same <laughs> and, time sorry, go ahead.
1: No, 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 no. That's it. I was going
0: to ask at the same time it, that that must be an advantage, though, to have two people running a label—one with uh, um, the business background and, and one with coming from the artist vantage point.
1: Yeah, totally. And I, I mean, I still think that's a, an advantage for sure. Like, I think it's really nice to have um, Dustin as like one of the partners of the company because anytime an artist has a question about touring or, you know, is this venue cool? Mm-hmm. Is this deal, you know, yes. fair or whatever? Like I feel like he has a really good perspective for that. So it's nice to have him as a resource for like the other artists on the label to turn to.
0: I think most artists that I've, I've seen still to this day, and hopefully it's changing, but a lot of uh, artists kind of would come into a relationship with a record label being a little defensive and, and with their guard up a little bit. Does he mm-hmm. help with that? At all?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely, That I, I, I think so. Um, and, you know, and I think it's it, – artists have become less defensive, mm. um, with, at least with independent labels. Uh, you know, I think, especially early on, you know, I think people are just, like, eager to get their music out there and to get it heard, and, you know, they know that labels have – you know, marketing resources and contacts at the digital distributors to help their songs get playlisted, Mm -hmm. et cetera. Um, so I think that there's a little bit less hesitation. Um depends, I guess it depends on also what stage you are at in your career, because then, you know, there are some artists that just get really popular organically, and then those artists are definitely are more hesitant to kind of Cut, they feel like they're just like cutting a label into their business. Right. You know, right. that's already growing on their own. And, you know, but, you know, at the same time, they're, at a certain certain point, they're going to need somebody, some kind of label to help them because when they're touring, like who's going to ship out their merch. Yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes. So, so it's a, it's a little bit of give and take. And I think it depends on the situation, but yes, overall, like Dustin definitely helps with easing, uh, easing the minds of, of other artists.
0: When you were starting out, I mean, um, right as, uh, as newlyweds and, 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 starting out with the label being so young, what were some of the first hurdles that came up when, when you, when you guys got started?
1: Ooh, first hurdles. Honestly, one of the biggest, this is going to sound so dumb, but one of the biggest hurdles was coming up with a name. Oh. Um, <laughs> we had had the concept for the label. We had the money, we had like everything, we coming up with the name and finding the right logo took us so long. Really? Uh, Yeah. It took us so long. It was really hard. And we just like, we wanted something that sounded strong and like, I don't know, like kind of tough. Yeah. (laughs) And, (laughs) but then ultimately we were, we were kind of, you know, I feel like after a certain point, like words are not meaningless, but like, they kind of take on a new meeting when mm-hmm. it's like attached to the, to like a label and like a label culture. Oh, for so sure. So we just wanted a word that sounded cool right. and felt strong And we landed on Bayonet after like months (laughs) of like trying to figure it out.
0: Well, I know, I know exactly what you mean. And I mean, the same goes for bands or artists because there's now in this day and age, a lot of people will, the first thing you do when you come up with a name is see if the dot com's available, see if all the social media is available. So you might find one that's great.
1: Totally. No, and that definitely happened. Like, you know, we, we, we were checking all of that stuff. We were checking, like, is this, you know trademarked Mm -hmm. is this website available is this like you know like all x y and z um which i recommend people do because i I think especially with bands uh bands tend to just be like oh yeah this band name is sick but it's like you know that there's like 10 other bands with that same band (laughs) name dude like you should probably (laughs) check that out before like building up your band and creating a culture around your project you know but you know
0: it's tough. And I, I didn't even realize, I think it's changing a little bit now, but I, um, with, with bands that, um, when some, sometimes they share the name, but also like there's sometimes where like a guy's name or a girl's name, it she, she he or she shares that name with another artist and they're not necessarily going to change their name, but that causes huge problems with Spotify because yeah. then your tracks fall under somebody else or they can verify your name and then you can't verify that name. And
1: yeah, 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 yeah. You have to like that happens sometimes and and it's easy to like you you can just contact Spotify and they'll um, you know, uh split it up and mm. put put it in the correct spot. Right. But um yeah, it's definitely tricky and I encourage all artists to double check and make sure yeah. that their name is, uh, not used by somebody else's. Um, well,
0: speaking of, uh, uh, weird label names that came out of nowhere, you, so you interned at captured tracks, which I think Mike mm-hmm. had said was a song name or something, or a mistaken name from, for his, for his label or, or whatever. But anyway, what was some of the things you learned, um, at, when you were at captured tracks that kind of gave you the confidence to go out on your own?
1: Um, I mean, a little bit of everything, um, since I was the label manager there and definitely I had seen it through, I kind of started right when the label had started. The label was, you know, less than a year old, I think when I, when I was interning. So I really saw it grow. Like I, I saw it go from like, you know, being this like small, cool label to like, you know, this indie juggernaut. Um, yeah. So that was, you know, I feel like I learned a lot from that. I learned a lot about, like, how to grow a company. Um, I learned how to manage other employees um, and just, like, learning how to do things, learning how to put things into production. Like, all of these things that I had never learned how to do previously, they're not really things that you can learn in school, per se. So, like, you just have to learn on the fly. And um, I think... I definitely learned a lot just like, f- just from doing and experiencing. And I just, you know, retained all of that and um, brought a lot of those skills over to Bayonet and, um, and yeah, and I definitely also think that once I, I started working at secretly too, which was around the same time that I started Bayonet, um, when I started working with secretly doing a and I also learned a lot from like how they operate as a label. And, um, I feel like I, it was, um, Really eye-opening too, um, just because they're a, you know, a much bigger company, and um, so yeah, I, I had a lot of uh, resources uh, to pull from. Mm. And,
0: and when did you start Bayonet? Sorry, I wanted to ask you that at the beginning.
1: So we started. Let's see. I mean,
0: when, when did you get married?
1: <laughs> we got married in 2014, but I feel like the label didn't really start until 2015. Fifteen, I okay. wanna say. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay, twenty fifteen. So was was Capture Tracks, and I wanna ask you a little bit about like your 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 time there and kind of how you because you did start as an intern, is that right?
1: Yes, I did.
0: So what were, were Capture Tracks supportive of you going out on your own?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think Mike kind of knew he had I feel like he had known for for a long time about, you know. Dustin and I both wanting to start a label. Hmm. Um, Dustin had been wanting to start a label for a long time. Um, He was really the impetus for us starting a label. I it had never really crossed my mind, Um, and but he was the one that was like, "I've always wanted to start my own label. Like we should just, I want to do this, and like it'd be awesome if you were the label manager since you know how to amazing you know run a label, and it's weird. Like I, I feel like looking back in retrospect, I should have been way more scared of doing that. But for some reason there was just like no fear or hesitation. I was just like so confident that we could do it that, um, yeah, we just dove in and, you know, never looked back.
0: And was it originally, excuse me, was it originally a, um, intended as is this like branching out new home for Beach Fossils who who your your husband Dustin is a part of
1: yeah it definitely was um intended as as kind of his new home um I think he yeah he had just want you know his contract with Captured was up and had wanted to start his own label and it just like made sense for him financially um to do that. So, so yeah, so it that was definitely, um, part of it.
0: Right. And was, I I have to go back and check. Um, but the, the beach, the latest beach fossil Somersault, that wasn't your first release, was it? What was your first release?
1: Our very first release, um, is actually a trio of cassettes. Um, it, yeah, it was this project, um, called fluoride. That's actually Dustin and our friend Renee. It's kind of like a weird, like noise <laughs> project. Okay. Um, and then it was this band red sea who are awesome. They're from Atlanta. Um, and, um, another Georgia band, um, warehouse, uh, we released their record Tesseract on cassette. Um, so yeah, so it was those three were our first three releases.
0: So I'm just on your your website now. So this is 2015, this is March and your first three releases are on cassette and um they're all on the same day. Is that is that right? Yes. So you just kind of launched the label and with these three albums. That's a really cool way of doing it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just I guess we also wanted to showcase like the different kinds of sounds that we wanted to work with mm-hmm. and um yeah.
0: That's great. I, you know, I want to go back to interning because I've actually heard of, it's, it's funny because it, it, I think it's going to give younger people the wrong idea, but I've heard a lot of cases where someone starts out as an intern and then actually ends up running things. Like we, you know, I've seen that at Hardly Art and and Sub Pop and um, what were your long-term goals when you were starting out as an intern at at a record label?
1: I mean, I, my long-term goal was 100% to work at a label. Um, that's like why I started doing it. I, yeah, I was, um, I, at the time was working in set design, which is kind of what I sort of studied in school. I studied film, um, and I was always fascinated with set design. Um, that is, that is really fascinating. To me as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that it was really fun. So I was in New York. I was working for a you know a production designer, and um and we did a lot of really cool stuff. Um we did a lot of stuff for like MTV and a lot of um interesting other interesting things. Um, but yeah, but ultimately I realized that it wasn't what I wanted to do long term. And I'd always been so passionate about music, always, you know, going to shows and.
0: Sorry, can I interrupt? How far does that go back? When, 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 what's your earliest memory of of just kind of being, you know, taken over by music?
1: Oh my gosh! I mean, I don't know, like (laughs) five years old.
0: Really? Was it? (laughs) Do you have a musical family?
1: Um, not. I mean, yes, my stepdad is a guitar player. Okay. Um, and you know, he's been in my life since I was around nine, eight, nine years old. Okay. Um so yeah, I mean, definitely like he is like a very, you know, musical person and um and I yeah, and I think having him in my life encouraged me to um, you know, be curious, curious about music and different mm. kinds of music. Um, but I think even at a young age, I always was just like a music fan. I remember I had a massive, massive cassette tape collection when I was a kid. Oh, wow! And then re- I remember like once CDs rolled around, like, and I stopped listening to my cassettes, like my mom was like, uh, I think we need to get rid of all of these cassettes. <laughs> so like, I like tossed a lot of like <laughs> awesome cassettes away. That but, is so sad. But from an early age, I just remember like... I would get, you know, buy a cassette or buy a CD and just open up the CD or the cassette and look at the liner notes, read Mm. like every single thing, like who produced the record. I would read all of the lyrics. Mm. Um, I would look at where it was recorded and I was always really fascinated by that and just like absorbing as much like musical knowledge as possible. Um, that is such a
0: resounding thing I've heard from people who are in the business is the mm -hmm. liner notes thing. (laughs) Isn't that, that is so weird.
1: Yeah, it is weird. I think it's just, yeah. And, and I, I I don't know, it's just a curiosity and it just, it feeds the, um, it's so, you know, it feeds the interest Mm -hmm. into music even more. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I also think, especially as like a young person, You know, and I I I feel like that's when you're developing a sense of like who you are and and figuring out like how you feel about the world and your outlook. And I definitely think that music helps to do that for some people. Um, There's this really awesome Jeff Buckley quote where he describes music as shaping sound in order to fit a feeling, Hmm. and I feel like that's so true. And I feel like that's what music does for a lot of people, especially a lot of people who are young and you know just yeah it's a confusing time as a young person when mm. you're like you know growing into your who you are as a human being so i think that music plays a huge part in in that discovery
0: i remember that's so interesting when you're talking about that shaping sound because i remember somebody uh, like, an, like an adult in my my high school life who who discovered that i had all this radiohead all these like radiohead mp3s on my computer and they were really mm-hmm. concerned for me they're like that's a really dark band, you know, I'm just really, concerned. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I thought, <laughs> and I, which, which I actually thought was really strange because I found that music to be really uplifting. I thought it was like, it always made me really happy, <laughs>
1: but wow.
0: to them, they were concerned, but I don't know. Wow. It turned out fine. Um, so Okay. So go back to, can can you, sorry, I really wanted you to go back, but now fast forward to captured track. So you're an intern there. What was that, um, Ascension like?
1: Um, it was, let's see my, hmm, what was that Ascension like? Okay. The, so at the time when I started interning, um, there was a label manager at captured, um, named autumn who autumn wetley who's like such a sweetheart and um we actually became good friends throughout uh, you know the whole thing you know working side by side mm. and she just didn't really she was uh she just didn't really like new york and she wanted to move back home to detroit mm. and um i also think it was it was definitely a lot of work for one person to take on, um, you know, doing the label stuff. Um, And Mike definitely was doing it with her, but um, you know, I think she was just like kind of overwhelmed and, you know, wanted to move back home. And so she, so she left and went back, uh, moved back home. And after that, I, and, and at this point also, mind you, I like, I had been asking Mike all the time. Like, please hire me. And like, please, like, even if it's just part time, yeah. like, please hire me. Were you in
0: school or, or, or did you have another job or what were no, you?
1: No, I had just graduated. Okay. Um, and I had another job. I had like a day job working for a fashion designer. Um, so, but, but you yeah. were out
0: of the set design world. You were out of that.
1: Yeah. 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 Okay. I was out of the, yeah, okay. I was out of set design. I stopped doing set design at that point. Right after that, I was like, I just need like a part-time job, like, mm-hmm. you know, doing whatever. And, uh, my friend, uh, was friends with this fashion designer. So I started working there, which was cool. And, um, yeah. And then basically on my days off <laughs> of, uh, my, my day job, I would go and intern at Captured when I
0: could. And what were your roles there? Like what kind of tasks did you have?
1: Um, at captured as an yeah, intern? Yeah, yeah, Um, definitely tackling a lot of orders. Um, the okay. orders had kind of like piled up, like they were like really behind. So right. I, my mission was always to try and like get us like up to date. Um, <laughs> so I would like, you know, try and just like ship as many orders as possible. I would help with shipping out orders to, um, distributors I would organize the warehouse because like the warehouse would tend to get like kind of messy and I liked to have things kind of like organized and like as easy to grab off Mm -hmm. of the shelf as possible so um kind of did that a little bit and uh yeah and then answering customer emails too um which was like definitely really eye-opening oh really yeah, yeah, oh, so. yeah. I feel like I learned a lot and like how to deal with people and um yeah and I feel like I, I of from that experience, like n- yeah, I, I've learned a lot. I've seen I've I've made people who will have sent us like the most like irate email in the world, <laughs> just like cursing at us. <laughs> I've made them, you know, apologize to me for how they were. And I, I figured out how to do that in, uh, in, you know, through emailing with customers for for a long time. So, oh, man. Uh,
0: Good for you. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> there, yeah. Well, it's it just speaks to, I mean, the power of email, but it speaks to the the power of that human contact. And I think people are so aggressive and irate. Until they realize that they're actually talking to a real human. and Exactly. That, yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good role. And uh, I, I can totally see what you're saying about how you would transfer that into, into knowledge for running your own label. No, just kind of mentally picturing who the people are who are buying these records and what they expect.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so from, let's go to today when, when you're running the label and, and, uh, I've asked you, you know, the, what the day looks like, but when it comes from, uh, discovering a band to hearing their masters to release day, what's your favorite part of the process?
1: Ooh, um, I think my favorite part is getting with a band and coming up with creative, um, you know, marketing ideas mm. right before, we announce the record. Um, I think that's always the funnest part. And you really get to collaborate with the artist directly and just like talk about all kinds of different ideas. And I don't know. Yeah, I just feel like it's the funnest part. And um, and I think it's the funnest you know might be the funnest part for the artist too like now that they've like made this like awesome record let's talk about how we conceptualize it let's put it into a context yeah um for audiences to enjoy and um yeah and I feel like that's always really fun
0: so I I want to break this down because I did this a little bit I had the opportunity to do this with another label recently and um I find it just kind of fascinating their whole process, but so you're sitting down, you've got the, the music is done. I, I imagine at this stage that you're talking about the masters, are they done? Is it done?
1: Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes.
0: And so when, how approximately, how far back would this be from the release date?
1: Um. Ideally. This would be a while. Um. I f- well, we, I feel like five months is usually when we need everything, you know, we need the masters, we need the artwork. And once we have all of that stuff, that's, I feel like when we start having marketing conversations, maybe the, the marketing and more like conceptual conversations come once everything's into production. So Mm. I would say maybe we start having those conversations like four months out and then we'll usually announce a record three months out. Okay. Um, and that changes too. I mean, there are some records that will, you know, announce really quickly and then it'll be out in a month. Right. You know, depending okay. on the artist. Okay. Especially with bigger artists, that tends to be the case more and more these days. Well bigger artists will just be like, We have a new record coming and it's gonna be out next month and you that's know, cool. all this stuff is happening. And yeah. so Yeah,
0: yeah that's it right. They have that inertia that it works for bigger bands. I, I was yeah. thinking about, I mean, probably one of the the release from you guys that just will not stop showing up in my feed all year long is that Kevin Crowder record. Am I saying that right, by the way?
1: Yeah, 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 totally. So
0: toss-up was, and I mean, this is funny, too, because I want to ask you about when you're sitting down and dreaming up the marketing plan, who had thought about that little wooden airplane to go with it?
1: Yeah, I...
0: Was that part of that discussion? I don't
1: remember. Yeah, definitely part of that discussion. And I can't remember if it was the artist and their management. I feel like like maybe it was. Or if it was like one of our interns. That must have been one of the weirder requests
0: that you need to source. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, (laughs) but it was like so cool and I was so happy to do it. Um, I I, I think it turned out really great and – they're so fun. Um, yeah, I really, I really love doing that, that, uh, the paper, the paper airplane or it's, not paper, whatever the
0: wooden. it is. Yeah. wood. Yeah. That's such, that's so nostalgic for me. Um, so this record, I mean, the artwork is, is beautiful. And I mean, his, his EP from a few years ago was, was pretty impactful. So I think a uh, full length was, was pretty anticipated. Um, Did you get a sense that, I mean, I saw, I first saw this record pop up, like it must have been like January or or February. I don't know when it was, but it it seemed like very early in the year that, that I started seeing this album artwork and people started anticipating it. Did you get a sense Mm -hmm. that this was a special release?
1: With the Kevin Crowder record? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, he's such an incredible songwriter. And, um, yeah, I was just really excited to put this record out. I am, I think he's super talented and has a beautiful voice and yeah, I, I do feel really, really lucky to get to work with him.
0: And so you guys, this was his first record with you. Is that right? Uh,
1: yes. Uh, yes. Okay.
0: And, and so how did that relationship start with you guys?
1: Um, how did it start? Uh, I guess kind of through secretly he's like from, uh, right outside of Bloomington and Kevin used to play in this awesome band called hoops that you might be aware of.
0: Oh yes. Yeah. And
1: yeah. And I think it was through that they kind of I had already been a fan of his solo stuff but they kind of have kind of the, the people in Se- at secretly that are in Bloomington were just like this Kevin Crowder stuff is awesome like mm-hmm. we love this record he's a really talented songwriter like you should check it out and I was like yeah and I just completely fell in love with it, his stuff and then uh basically Dustin and I saw him play a show solo and it was so beautiful. He, the entire audience was just like spellbound. Hmm. And I think from then we kind of, we knew that, um, yeah, we knew that we should work with him because, uh, he, he, his sound was just so special.
0: And this was a, a kind of a, a special record too, because it was, you know, his stuff has normally been a little bit more stripped back, but this was like a, a, a bigger production and a little more lush than yeah. other stuff.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. I
0: I think when, um, I just think from a label perspective, a record like this is so special because it's, um, it seemed like from my standpoint, I mean, maybe you have a, you do have a completely different standpoint, but from my standpoint, as just an observer, it was like the marketing for this just started to, to take off on its own. You know, as soon as that track Mm -hmm. suddenly came out, everyone was Mm -hmm. just like just pointing other people to this record, like you have to go check this out. Other labels were saying it, other writers were saying it. That just must be such a great thing.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really happy with how everything turned out. And um, I think, yeah, and I'm glad that other people see that it's a special record.
0: When you're, uh, um, so I think it came out in June, is that
1: right? Yes, okay. June 15th.
0: We're, we're talking right now and it's end of October as a, as a label person, do you start to think about the year end list and do you start to, is that something you stress about or, or hope for in any way? Or do you try to put it out of your mind?
1: Um, I kind of put it out of my mind to be honest. I like kind of almost forget they exist until they start coming out and right. then I'm like, oh yeah, I guess that's a thing. Um, <laughs> Will they start coming know? out
0: on Labor Day weekend.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's always nice to, you know, to be on those lists, but it's definitely not something I look at as like any kind of requirement, mm. you know, like I, I never, I, I feel like people should just enjoy music that they like and, you know, not worry about keeping up with like any kind of lists or like album scores. Mm. Um, and I feel like that's more and more has become the case, um, I think, you know, say what you will about, you know, places like Spotify or Apple Music, but I feel like through those outlets, music has kind of become a little bit more democratic. Mm. And I think, especially with kids, kids are just Mm -hmm. listening to whatever they like and whatever they think is good. Like they, you know, I still think that music journalism is incredibly important. Um, I think it's so, so important. Um, And I, and I think like, thinking critically about music is awesome. Um, but you shouldn't necessarily turn to, um, you know, any kind of media outlet to, and, and just like always do whatever they tell you. Oh, for sure. You know, I think you should also develop your own sense of taste and, you know, listen to things that, you know, that you're going to like, um, based on what you like and not what somebody else likes. Um, you know, but it's always nice to get recommendations, um, to, Yeah. Uh, so, I, I, but yeah, it's not an end all be all is how I feel about, about stuff like that.
0: I think that's uh, probably a really healthy way to look at it. I think for lists, uh, for me personally, as a listener, I, I just, it's, um, it, it, it's one of those things like in December when things are a bit quieter, it's a, a nice way to catch up on things I probably overlooked, you know? Mm-hmm. And and so you can just check the top 10 or the top 20 and be like, wow, this one record was mentioned, you know, three different people. And for some reason it never showed up in my feed. And so um, now I'm going to check it out and and maybe that, and then, you know, maybe somebody discovers something that way, but really, yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. And I love that process too. I think on Bandcamp, I might discover a record that nobody hears, that nobody likes, except me and the artist. And I know it's not going to be on any top 10 list. It's definitely number two or one on my list, but um, I, yeah, that, that to me starts to uh, chip away at the validity of those lists whenever we all just discover music in our own way.
1: Yeah, definitely. No, I,
0: agree what does an indie label consider a successful release what does that look like in our world I'm not I'm not asking about numbers I just mean are there mile markers or goals that you set out to accomplish with an album release
1: um gosh um I think a successful release to me is just you know, putting out a record a that you feel proud of that the artist feels proud of, and that connects with other people. um I think it's nice once you know, like even just talking to you and hearing about like your perception of the Kevin Crowder record and like people's excitement about it, like that feels successful to me mm. um, and you know, yeah, I feel like that's what I really I think about and um and just people being excited about a really great record that you've worked on, yeah. um, and, and talking about it. And, um, and I think that's really cool and exciting.
0: Uh, it, it's a great thing you said to the ver- the first thing you said that kind of hit me was it's something that you're happy with and that the artist is happy with. And, and just that in itself, I think is a great accomplishment that the, the, artist says, I, I'm really proud of this work and thank you to the label for, partnering with me and then both of you guys are just really proud of it. And I think yeah. that's probably a huge thing in itself.
1: Yeah. No, it, it is definitely.
0: And and if nobody else likes it, it just means that you have bad taste. <laughs> but at yeah, least you I and,
1: know <laughs> at we'll least see, the artist the agrees like, with I, you. Like <laughs> I want other people to like it too, obviously. So
0: <laughs> um do you have like a, a, a goal you set out um for how many releases a year or how, what dictates that?
1: Um, what dictates
0: like how many releases you do or when you release them?
1: Um, they're not really. I think I just, you know, whenever a release comes around, we could try and fit it in in a time that makes sense. Um, I feel like right now, like our roster isn't too crazy so I definitely want to expand on that, mm. but I've, I, we're pretty flexible as far as release dates and how many releases are put out in a year. Um, you know, sometimes we'll put out five records in a year and sometimes, you know, we've also put out one, like 2017, the only record we put out was the Beach Fossils record. Oh, I see. Um, was which that- was fine because it took up a lot of time right. and, you know, right. and energy, um, but yeah, I mean, in the future, I would love to do more than that, just that.
0: <laughs> I've noticed that um, that Spotify. My opinion of of that Spotify world and and whatnot is that it seems to be like it's it's uh, encouraging artists to be more prolific. Do you do you want to see your artists be more prolific? And and by that I mean not necessarily like a major full length every year, but maybe singles here and there or oh totally yeah
1: no yeah totally I I think um you know and I know that I I feel like Mike Sniper definitely has the same mindset um yeah I think that people you know that artists shouldn't be too precious about Mm. the music that they make um (laughs) you know I, I think that they should you know like obviously it should be good and you should feel good about it and feel like you've you know, created a song that is awesome. But I know, I know that a lot of the artists, you know, even that I work with, or, you know, even, you know, artists that I am married to, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, are always working on new music. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. So there there are always songs there to be put out. But, um, you know, and I understand, I think that, you know, you should wait for the right time um, to put something out. Like, let's say you have a tour coming up you know, maybe you don't want to put out a whole record, but if you want to put out one song, mm. you know, I think that that is awesome. Yeah. And, um, you know, and that'll be great to help promote the tour. Um, or if you wanted to do a music video with that song, like that always helps too. But, um, but yeah, I think you, y- you, should wait for the right time, but definitely, um, I don't think artists have to f- be as precious about, <laughs> putting things out
0: as what anymore. A, what a great word. I, I love that. I'm going to use that as often as I can because I find that um, I, I've thought of this in the past that a, a label kind of acts as this like middle person between the the music fan and the artist. And I think,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, a, a, a good label rep is someone who is is sympathetic with artists and how they are precious about their songs um but then in the music fan and and some music fans are just can't get enough of that artist there's really Mm -hmm. no uh limit to how many how much they'll consume and so for some of them um i i i experienced that myself i i one time was putting together like this like five-year compilation and i was asking artists if we could use their demos like the original raw demos of some of their songs and a lot of them were like oh i don't know if i'm comfortable with that i I sing at a key, or you can hear the click track bleed, or whatever. But I was like, I think that I was speaking as the the conduit. I was thinking, man, people are going to love how raw this is and how honest this is. Um, mm-hmm. So that's such an interesting challenge—is—is is kind of speaking as an advocate of the the music fan.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: I've noticed that artwork is pretty consistent across your releases, and 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 your label shares this like really amazing aesthetic. Um, by the way, I, 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 um, that Lion Limb record is another one. And this is the great thing about um, prepping, doing like interview prep for these interviews because I will like go through a, a, a discography and be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that was these guys. But that Lion <laughs> Limb record, I was drawn to that record, the one that came out earlier this year because oh, awesome. of the artwork. I just oh, thought nice. this is the best artwork I've ever seen. And nice. it turned out to be a, a great... Uh, album as well, a fantastic album. but um is that um, what kind of thought goes into that the aesthetic and the artwork of individual releases but but everything as a whole?
1: oh man. um I mean, I honestly with the with the album art, I really leave it up to the artists themselves wow. um, they you know usually will have like a graphic designer or you know a visual artist in mind. Um, but you know, then again, there are cases where like we, you know, work with an, an incredible, like a a couple of incredible graphic designers. We work really closely with, um, this guy, Andrew Lewandis, um, who is based in Atlanta and he's really helped us, um, with so many things. He helps us like with our website and with like any mock-ups we have to do and stuff like that. Oh, great. Um, and But he actually was the one that designed the artwork for the Mac DeMarco Shamir 7-inch.
0: Oh, that's such a special um, artwork. That
1: I know, and so people good. really love it. Yeah. And um, I'm really proud of that. And Andrew did such an incredible job. We get compliments on it all of the time. Yeah, for um, sure. So that's really cool. Um Yeah, so it just it really depends. For Kevin Crowder, um, he worked with this awesome artist, Camilo um, and he did such a great job and, but then in, in other cases, like the artists will do the artwork themselves, like Lion Lim, um, Stewart is an awesome visual artist. And so he did that himself. Wow. And yeah. And the first, um, like warehouse release we did Tesseract, um, that was also done by the band. And That's so, pretty cool. yeah. So there are a lot of cases of that too
0: we just did a, an episode with Molly of ghostly and talking all about artwork. Oh, and she's
1: the best and they have like such a good aesthetic, totally. and such a great eye. They, they actually worked with, um, one of like my best friends from Miami from back home, Nina Hartman. Um, she did a bunch of artwork for them, um, mm. cover art. And that was, I thought that was like the coolest thing.
0: I just think it's so, I mean, I, I love it and it really draws me to records. And I think, um, I, I was, you know, even looking at this beach fossils reissue uh, that you guys are doing that the, everything all together, the three together, and they share this like consistent Obi strip and mm-hmm. like everything is kind of unique to the, the, each album has its own color. I just think mm-hmm. that is to me, I, I, what I see, like that sells itself, you know what I mean? As opposed mm-hmm. to just like a traditional cover especially on a reissue it you look at that and go oh i need to buy that record again (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's really great
1: it honestly like the response for these the beach fossils um you know color vinyl stuff has been like really positive and we actually had to repress it um oh wow yeah and it's not out yet right no, it's not out yet. That's the thing. It doesn't come out until November. It's not like even my stores. Pl- my plan with these was like, "Oh, it comes out November 23rd. It'll be like it comes out on Black Friday right before the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people, it'll be like a great Christmas gift to some people. We made this like nice bundle with like a tote bag. Yeah. And then they sold out oh, like my goodness so fast they sold out in a day so oh my
0: goodness that is the bundle, amazing the
1: bundles sold out in a day clash well, the truth and, and the self-titled vinyl are both sold out and then oh what a pleasure goodness. we only have like 50 left so um, that's
0: amazing congratulations that is really cool thank you
1: yeah thanks so we're gonna we'll we're gonna put them back up for for sale really well
0: soon. you're um maybe you just need a, a better cfo at your company but i'm looking and it's 55 dollars for three records and a tote <laughs>
1: Yeah, my I goodness!
0: Mean, no wonder you sold out.
1: I, I know. I feel, I feel <laughs> like I, I, I wanted to give people. A that good is deal. amazing. That's great. I just great. like did some some quick math and was like, you know what? This like makes sense. Like as long as we're not losing money. Yeah. That's the main thing that's that awesome. I was worried about. Um, I think for the second round when we we're, I think we're, we are probably gonna put the bundle back up because people really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think when we do it again, i, I I'm gonna give it a higher price point as a, <laughs> as a kind of like, you know, like a reward for the for people the, that got that's it. That's fair. The, that's totally like, fair. Yeah.
0: You know, well, I would like anything. I mean, because one of the records is double vinyl and, and, uh, exactly yeah, no, yeah. I think it's amazing. I mean, listen with the, I'm in Canada and the Canadian dollar versus the U S dollar that's $55 is sometimes what I spend on one record. So let alone three in a tote.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it's
0: great. No, that's amazing. I mean, I feel like you guys have accomplished so much and um, have created such a a well-loved batch of releases uh, in in such a short amount of time. What do you attribute this to?
1: Oh, I don't know. Um, I just keeping my ear to the ground and finding special artists, Mm. I think the answer, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I know. Um, and just like, yeah. And using, you know, our social media platforms to connect with fans and make sure that, um, they get heard. Mm. Uh, yeah. I feel like
0: that's. You've said in other interviews and there was a lot of interviews that I found on you guys, which was helpful, but you've, you've said that, um, you consider yourself to be artist friendly. Like, what does that look like for you guys?
1: Um, I think just. Mm, yeah, I, I think just like being able to be open and honest with the artists that we work with and, and also, uh, you know, in our, in our deal structures, uh, you yeah. know, having like a f- even 50, 50 split profit split. Um, wow. and yeah, I think that's what that means It's just like, you know, making sure that we're collaborating creatively with our artists as well um, yeah. And just like, you know, all of the above. <laughs>
0: well, I think any artist, no matter, like, even if they're, they're fairly young and weren't around in the, the 80s or 90s, but like, I think everyone has this like old idea of what, of how ruthless a label could be. And, mm-hmm. and whereas like what we've talked about and, and with, with the many labels that we've talked to, it's just this it's more of a partnership. It's 100% a partnership. And and this 50-50 thing that you're talking about, I've, I've heard that a lot, and that seems to be very standard. And, and it's... Um, well, with, not standard, but with 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 um, other artist-friendly labels. And um, I just think it's amazing because when, when some artists are more developed, or if they're not developed, but they're more guarded and, and worried about being taken advantage of, there's just this great thing when you find a good relationship with a label, is that mm-hmm. the the amount of effort that you're putting into your career, somebody else is gonna come alongside you and put the same amount of effort in, and now you're gonna get twice as much done. And that's right. you know. And that's what I've seen, and, and I just think that's such a beautiful thing. And I hope more artists understand that.
1: Yeah, totally, that's, I mean, I agree, obviously. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I definitely, uh, I definitely hope so too.
0: I don't wanna take up too much more of your time, but I wanna ask you, uh, um, what advice you might have for people about to start a label? Um, I don't know if, like, maybe just advise them to get married and use that money from their wedding. <laughs> but what what advice do you have for people to start a label or label folks maybe who are who are looking to grow their existing label?
1: Ooh, I mean, I guess that that is really case by case, you, um, depending on.
0: Do you think somebody should start a label right now if they're if they're thinking about it?
1: Yeah, it's hard, (laughs) but (laughs) it's, I mean, I'm not going to pretend like it's really easy and like, it's this like super profitable thing. Mm -hmm. Um, you're definitely going to be in, you know, in the hole for the first couple years of your label. We only recently, you know, have been starting to like make money off of the label, which is cool, Mm. but it took us, you know two, two years, you know, of existing one year of like prep, you know, preparing of like being really worried about our finances right. until we were like, okay, we've made it through the other side. Right. <laughs> um, what? yeah, I don't, Mm-hmm. Sorry okay. to interrupt
0: you. Uh, what what did the prep look like? You, I remember you said back when we first started talking about how you were dreaming of starting a label and thinking about starting a label, and and um, it wasn't until 2015 that you put a record out. What what type of of uh, mental prep and and actual pen to paper stuff did you do before announcing to the world that you were starting a label?
1: Ooh, um, so the prep leading up to the label was just like, I mean, it's going to sound so boring and mundane, Mm -hmm. but just like, um, I remember we had to like figure out how to get a tax ID number for the company and like register as an LLC. And, (laughs) you know, again, like coming up with a name, coming up with a logo, uh, designing our website, Uh, like a lot of kind of boring things. Um, I remember an idea that I had, um, when we were first starting the label was like before we had fully launched the label, we made like a weird teaser video and had like all of our social media that was live and we're just encouraging like friends and family to go and like follow us on social media. So that way, by the time we actually had like music, new music to announce, Hmm. um, people were already like watching, um, as opposed to just being like, Hey, we're a new label and here's this like awesome new band and we're just going to release it into the void. (laughs) All
0: right. So you were able to kind of, to, to have like a pre-roll of stuff a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of built up our, our audience, um, you know, especially using, you know, Dustin's you know, beach fossils, uh, contacts. So,
0: and, and the audience, did you bring the fans over to the label as well? Like, Uh, yeah, yeah, that's amazing. I I think that, I mean, that's, it's boring stuff, but it is important. And, and the podcast is intended for label people and, and future label people. And it's, it's boring stuff, but I think it just shows that there's, if you're going to take this seriously and if you want to be where you are in, in three short years, um, then there are a lot of really boring and serious things that you have to do more than just,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, securing a, an Instagram and, and, uh, releasing a song on Spotify.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's great. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. This has been, um, such a great chat and I really, I, I, I love your label and it's, it's such a, a cool experience to, I'm familiar with your label and, and you're someone I wanted to reach out to for a long time. And then to, to dive into the label and be like, I've seen this record before, I've heard this record, I've heard people talk about this record. It's such a cool thing to just connect all the dots. Um, and, and so thank you very much for doing this.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much. And it's nice to hear, <laughs> you're so kind. Oh. Thank you for being a fan of, of the label, it's awesome.
0: And thank you for listening. You can find out more about bayonet records at bayonetrecords.com you can support the podcast by subscribing and by telling a friend sharing about it on social and um, letting other people in the industry know about the podcast who you think might be interested thanks so much for listening